For Manchester Bidwell Corporation in Pittsburgh, I'm Jonathan Zito, and this is In Earnest. Over 50 years ago, a 19-year-old Bill Strickland began Manchester Craftsman's Guild with clay and a wheel. He found himself surrounded by the suffering and despair that consumed the nation in 1968, and his high school art teacher had demonstrated to him as an educator and as a friend what creativity could do for someone mentally, socially, and spiritually. So he gathered the young people of his neighborhood and began to teach them ceramics. That connection between teacher, student, art, and life carried on for decades until present day, where it exists as MCG Youth and Arts. This after-school youth development program utilizes the arts to help high school students engage in personal discovery, artistic skill, become future ready for college and career, and learn to be civically engaged members of their community. Today, MCG Youth and Arts is led by Executive Director Justin Maziai. As you'll hear in our conversation, Justin has been engaged with MCG for many years in a variety of capacities. In this leadership role now, he brings an enthusiasm and energy to the program that kids around the region really respond to. In so many ways, Bill's original work has grown and changed over the years, but the essential motivations and convictions remain the same. We remove barriers to opportunity. For kids, sometimes that's the barrier of learned self-doubt or fear of just trying or lack of clarity or confidence. By creating a safe and beautiful environment where anyone can come and discover what they're actually capable of, whether it's ceramics, photography, digital art, or design arts, Justin and his team are taking on those deep-seated obstacles with kindness, encouragement, and belief in the power of creativity to change the trajectory of someone's life, just like it did for Justin. So I wanna just real quick start and just kind of talk about where you're coming from here. First floor. First floor. You there. <laughs> um, no, but like mm-hmm. l- little kid Justin, where are we at? About five, seven, three quarters <laughs> now. Not far off. 120 pounds soaking wet. Where were you born? So, so yeah. So I was born in the South Hills in uh, Baldwin Whitehall Borough. Irwin Drive, 839, <laughs> paper route, up and downhill, uphill both ways, I would say. Um, Was your family yeah. all, all from this area? For the most yeah, part? so my family, um, my mom's side was from Aliquippa, and my dad's side was from New Eagle, New Eagle. And yeah, so grew up around Pittsburgh in one way or the other. And... Um, Settled in, yeah, my, my folks settled in Baldwin. Um, was there art back then? Man, you know, my sister was always the artist, so I think that was probably um, my first exposure to an artist besides traditional art classes. I can still remember the, you know, you think back to your, your school days and, and what was memorable to you you know, in terms of classes and, and subject matter. And I can still remember the old, I don't know if you did this, but creating the uh, hook, uh, crocheting hook, you'd make a, you'd have a pattern, you'd make a pillow. And I can still remember that, mm-hmm. you know, I was in, I don't know, who knows what grade, fourth grade or something like that. And I can still remember that art room. And I can remember doing that project and bringing it home. And there was something about that tactile engagement I mean, I think about it now. There's a, you know, there's a lot of sensory to that. You know, there's uh, 
the process, the manual process, you know, I guess I would probably consider that to be more of the craftsmanship side of now mm -hmm. art making, right? And then um, the feel of it too, the pillow and utilitarian kind of concept of that. But the whole experience in the art classroom is great. <laughs> Speaking of that. Pull, pull this guy up a little bit oh, closer. Yep, pull, yep. Pull, yep. And then the, um, I can still remember, and I've, I've mentioned this before, in terms of art and, you know, those experiences. And I can remember I had this really mean, or well, she wasn't mean to me, but everybody, you know, I was the youngest in my family. So they said, oh, man, we'll call her Miss M. I'm going to blow her spot up. But <laughs> Miss M, she doesn't play. She was, you know. She was mean. And I remember one time we were doing a, we were coloring page or something. We are doing coloring a, an elephant. And I remember coloring this, coloring this elephant pink. And I just colored it all pink. And I turned it in, you know. And she said, and she just went, you know, I think like the Christmas story, you know, how, how Ralphie was imagining, you know, his imaginary <laughs> right, right, you know, right, experience right. with Wicked his witch, teacher. Suddenly, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. right. And so she, uh, she said, Justin, this is great. Everybody's drawing, you know, coloring their elephants is gray. You're coloring yours pink. This is wonderful, you know. And I, I think about these couple things, you right. know, in terms of art and whether they're true or not. You know, they give you a self confidence. They give yeah. you an experience that you can. You try to build on those feelings and those. Um, what did it feel interactions. like? Can you remember what it felt like when yeah, she man. said that? I mean, just feel validated, right? Yeah. You feel like, you know. It's the asset thing, right? And I think mm -hmm. about what we do now, and I think it's that, you know, discovering when somebody, when you get that feedback from whoever, even, you know, an adult or your peers, um, I think there's something to that. For me, it was, it felt good, you know, it felt like. You felt seen. Yeah, yeah, it felt seen. Um, special. Well, you know, you got an A, yeah. that type of yeah, thing. Yeah. Like it feels you want to do good. And right. I, I think I think most most people want to have that feeling and they chase it one way or the other. And I think um, you know, when you get that feedback, whether it's math, talking, the arts, whatever it may be, um, you maybe you you know, like I said, maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but that belief, right? Mm -hmm. I think that external belief and then that becomes internal belief is important. When you think back on that kind of moment with an art educator, right? And now, however many years later, you are in some capacity also an art an art educator yourself. Sure, that's the the root, right? Right. Do you think about Miss M huh. when you're yeah, I do. Day to day, I, I do. Um, you know, there's a couple things about that story. Like I said, you know, I, I might be recalling it a little skewed, but um, it's okay to be yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That creativity and that originality. Like, if that's the way you see it, if that's the way you feel it, um, good. You know, mm -hmm. that's that. Yeah, you know, and, I, and I think about that, you know, educating, you know, just having a conversation today in the studio, you know, I like to be around the youth, even if I might not be directly teaching in some capacities, you know, I still like that interaction and to try to have those conversations. And I think those conversations are real important, you know, like we had a kid today, man, that he's going through life and real life. 
hard life. And um, it was good to see him again. I haven't seen him in a while. Um, and he said, you know, he just wasn't in the space to be able to, to do this. And he's, you know, he's, he feels like he's in a, in a better space. And, you know, it was just a conversation and about life and the awareness of what you're doing and then, or how, how you're responding to situations. And I said, man, that's pretty, that's pretty adult mm -hmm. for your age to be able to have that awareness and, um, be able to, uh, execute some decision making based on that and then what settings are you going to put yourself in to have different opportunities and experiences and then um you know help them create something that was meaningful to him just for a second man <laughs> just mm -hmm. for a second mm -hmm. you know the teaching artists were there and, and obviously working with them uh the students and the youth and um but it's still i still like to be a part of that um whenever i can be that you know interactive experience in a classroom where i mean it could be inside it could be on a field trip whatever but you know i took kids to see the um, exhibition of sharif bay's work mm -hmm. at the museum and so the setting which was amazing absolutely amazing but the setting could be anywhere you know it's those interactions that are important and memorable to the youth and like you said i think being seen being heard yeah um, at the relationships, you know, and then there's that belief, right? If, if you are given the skills, the belief, right? And then the skills, vice versa, whatever way you get there, that these things all start to work hand in hand, like a puzzle, yeah. like a Rubik's cube, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, in my mind, there's the artist mindset, which on some level is about expressing something internal mm -hmm. to be interacted with, consumed by somebody externally. And then there's the educator, right? And that's a bit more starting on the outside because you're focused on where's this individual at and I need to bring them to where I am. How do you see those two things, the artist Justin, the educator Justin, do those feel like separate impulses or do they feel like they're the same, they're kind of moving on the same track? You know, what are the ties that bind those together or what are some similarities? I think some things, you know, and I think they can live in different domains, right? But I think um, being able to solve problems creatively, think creatively, straddles that, right? I mm -hmm. think, it, you know, when, I, when I'm an educator and I'm trying to, you know, m meet a student where they are, give them content, information, um, interaction, there's an art to it, mm -hmm. right? There's an art to the way you speak, how I speak, where I move, where I look. Um, you know, there's a physical part of it. There's the, you know, the in delivery, um, allowing the students to do, or whoever you're working with, to be able to not only get that light bulb on, but to be able to turn it on themselves. Mm -hmm in a lot of ways. Um, and then, you know, or, you know, take the analogy Bill Strickland talks a lot about is a plant and what it needs to grow. But I think those things, you know, what I'm doing there creatively and I'm solving problems creatively or I'm finding solutions or I'm making connections, those type of things happen in when I'm creating artwork as well, right? Those type of things are organic to that process where 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you think your art making has been changed by being in education too? Sure. I mean, I think I think it's a part of growing, right, as an individual and understanding um, what makes you tick or be successful, or to be able to, you know, know who you are. You know, we talk a lot about assets here. I want to cut in just for a moment and explain something Justin just referred to. With a history as long as ours here at Manchester Bidwell, sometimes our shorthand language to summarize what we do or why we do it becomes so second nature for those of us on the inside that to someone else, it might not make complete sense. In this case, it's that word assets. This comes from Bill's own philosophy. People are assets, not liabilities. In the kind of work we engage in, you encounter all kinds of baggage around how people see themselves or those they serve. There can become the strange dichotomy of wanting to help those in need, but exclusively seeing those same people as needy, to want to help, but only see others as helpless. This can start to corrupt motivations and expectations for everyone involved. The way we keep this in check is by reminding ourselves and one another of this fundamental truth. An individual is an asset to an organization, to their family, to the world. And when they're treated as a person of value instead of a burden or drain on resources, suddenly dignity emerges from within and the community flourishes. You know, being an educator, you have to be patient, right? Mm -hmm. And I think those things, like patience is key to making art too. You have to be able to step back. You have to be able to assess. You have to be able to be patient. You have to be able to respond um, to interactions, to feelings, you know, and as an artist, I'm, I'm doing that while I'm making the work, mm -hmm. whether it's clay, I'm responding, um, interacting, I'm being creative, whether I'm painting, I'm, you know, I'm taking in something 2D or 3D and trying to translate it to two dimensions. And so I'm, I'm constantly um, taking feelings, taking technical information in, and then trying to be, use this information creatively to express what I want to have come out from what I'm responding to. And I, I think, you know, in education, it's pretty similar. I think in some ways, you know, people say they're not artists, but there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of those, those things that maybe people describe just to the arts. It's, it's not, you know, it, it, it happens organically. Like you're, you're pointing out here too. Um, these things happen on day to day basis. Art, art put maybe puts a magnifying glass on it mm -hmm. and focus it, hyper focuses it. Um, because then there's that whole other that that play that you get with your peers or other people as you're trying to articulate what you made, whether you know verbally or through the work itself. And then there's a response that you get, the feedback, the critique, mm -hmm. you know, and you have to uh, be able to take that information in and process it if you want to be successful or not. <laughs> you got choices, man. You yeah. can have peanut butter and jelly or jelly and peanut butter. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to your your kind of relationship with art personally. So when when does it go from that's my sister's thing, it's a thing that I just kind of do in art class to something that becomes a bit more of an identity? Oh man. Yeah, I think it you know, it happened when I went to shout out to Carlo University. I had uh, some great instructors there. And even before that, as I was at the Art Institute, it really didn't click yet, man. There was still some growth that I had to do as a person. But, you know, when I got to 
Carlo, uh, when I got to, you know, build a relationship with some of the instructors that I had there, Bill DiBernardi and Dale Huffman. Were you, ma- were you majoring in art? <clears throat> I was majoring in art education. In art education. So it wasn't a BFA. So it was, it was already, the, the education piece was there from mm-hmm. the beginning. Okay. Yeah, you know, and that came about, you know, the road diverged for me a bit when, you know, as a, as a human, I had some people in my life that set my, <laughs> set my ass straight, Jonathan, right? <laughs> <laughs> I had some help, and um, but I had some caring individuals that without these individuals, you know, left to my own devices, who knows? But because uh, there was a positive kind of steering influential force, you know, a mentor, right? Mm-hmm. Mentors, plural. Um, I knew I wanted to help youth in some way have the same type of experiences that I had that allowed me some joy in life. And, um, but I didn't know quite how that was going to look or what that was going to look like. You know, I did a couple of things here and there and there's some other passions, but I was still very, you know, I was artistic. Um, I was still creating art in some way or another and art education seemed, you know, it was something that resonated with me. <clears throat> and so, yeah, that's what brought me to Carlo mm-hmm. for the art education program. And then when I found out what I could do, man, when I found out when I was given exposure to those, a, a larger world of creative expression and practice, and specifically with, with my teachers, I think that relationship, and, and, he, and Bill DiBernardi, you know, as an artist, you're responding to certain stimuli that you have a connection with. And, you know, nighttime and nocturnes always, there's something, man, that stillness at night, quietness. You know, and I'd, I'd skateboard at night, man. Everybody's sleeping. I'd live downtown and it's empty. You know, there's a stillness, there's mm-hmm. a quietness, like a, when the snow falls in the winter at night, it's just quiet. You know, there's something there. And the lights, everything is just, you know, it really hit me when I figured out that I could take this, I could respond artistically to something that had this effect with me, you know, and I could do that through a painting media. Um, man, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's and like a superpower. Yeah. But yeah. Also, I mean, you know, right. Like you can like <laughs> create a feeling whether the thing is there or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was, it was, a, it was a rush, you know, it was mm-hmm. that, it was that, Ooh, I got to learn how to do this, you know, and my hands were, I felt like I had two broken hands, you know, I couldn't do it. I was always trying to figure out, man, mm. all right, what paintbrushes you using? What paint are you using? How'd you do this? You know, I was looking for that secret, but it was really about that, you know, and one of the things I think that art really teaches um, is practice and that craftsmanship component. You have to learn, you have to experience, you have to feel, you have to fail, um, you have to grow if you want to. I mean, I'd imagine most great artists never feel like they have actually, you know, hit it on, right? Exactly. There's always, it's not quite, it's not quite getting out what you feel or how you, how you are, what you're trying to communicate. There's always some kind of filter that you, it's still through. But, um, you know, that was great, you know, and I, I, I very much enjoyed that, that growth, that experience, that learning. And then it really translated and has grown through different media, you know, whether it's ceramics, photography, you know, and those, those main disciplines that we interact with on a daily basis here at MCG, digital arts, 
learning these tools to be able to communicate. You know, I just I just did a my first time based media piece, um, and so I think it's it's great to be able to be at a place, even if I wasn't here, but being able to know that there's options for communicating a message, and it might not be I might you know even though I started in painting, printmaking. That's not where the story ends, but it's just a chapter in the mm-hmm. book, right? Mm-hmm. And same with life, you know, in education, I guess. You can even make that analogy, you know. We don't know where we're going to be. Did you know about MCG back when you were younger? I did not. I didn't I didn't learn about it until I went to Carlo, as, as the story goes. Again, man, this story, this fishtail, <laughs> this one's real. But no, I was, I was sitting in an educational psychology class, and one of my, we had a break. And one of the, my peers in the program turned to me, Marco Biddle is his name, and he turned to me and said, hey, man, did you ever hear about MCG Youth and Arts? I said, no, what is it? He goes, you got to check it out. It's like Disney World, but it's real, you know, <laughs> and no truer words have ever been spoken to me. <laughs> well, maybe, but um, so, yeah, I came, I came down here, and it blew, my, it blew me away. Just to, like, tour? Just, just to check it out? Just to yeah. check it out, man. Just to check it out and to volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I was able to volunteer down here and it really blew me away because I never knew a place like this existed or could exist in the realm of, again, you know, what brought me to this point? You know, it was a passion for trying to affect positive change, you know, contribute that way. Mm. And also through the artistic expression. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, man, he's right. This is like Disney World. That's great. (laughs) It's a Willy Wonka chocolate factory first stop. Yeah. When, when did you first come on staff? 2004. That was a long time ago. I didn't realize it had been that long. Yeah, 2004. Wow. I came in through the doors and, uh, you know, I was a ceramics, ceramic. I helped in the ceramic studio. So I painted kilns, uh, helped clean the studio. I got to interact with the students during, during classes. Um, and it was great, man. I remember, it's so funny. I talk about this too. So that was my first experience, right? But, you know, I remember I remember being so nervous. You know, I remember being so nervous when the kids came in. They'd, they'd file in and full studios. You know, it was real life, life mm-hmm. to this place, you know. And, and I didn't want to mess up. And I remember being pretty scared when the kids came in. And um, But that didn't last long. And that quickly became what I looked for every day and I looked forward to every day was being able to have an opportunity to, to be a part of that life, be part of this story. But, you know, in 2004... Sorry, was that was that your first moment as the educator? No, no. Well, I guess it's some... No, I was kind of like a hired hand, man, a day worker. But, I mean, you weren't... You weren't but I wasn't the, You weren't there to just make art. You were there to engage... Yes, I was there to support the studio. So whatever the studio, whatever the program needed, I'd Mm -hmm. support, whether that's in the classroom. But at that point, I was so green. You know, I don't think I I did more than help somebody get a bucket, Mm. you know, that type of thing, where to clean up, all that stuff, you know, the technical kind of logistical parts of that. Then I I continued with my studies, studied abroad, um, graduated, did my, I did, studied abroad, then I did my... Um, where, abroad where? Uh, Florence, Italy. Oh, wow. Which was another... That's another podcast, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was great. Yeah. And I have family that lives there still, and that's where my family came mm. from, my dad's side of the family. So, you know, having that experience was so transformative. Having that 
you know, one of those things, just like when the price is right, man, right? You don't think they're going to happen. Right. You're like, this dude's telling me, all right, fill this paperwork out. You can go to Florence, raise this money, get this, get that. So he's like, don't overthink it. Next step, next step, next right thing. And next thing you know, I'm sitting there in Florence with my family uh, playing uh, Italian charades, trying to figure out what I want to say. Uh, sleeping, looking out the Duomo every night. Yeah. Stayed right there, walked by Gilberti's doors. Took a fresco painting class with mm. Mario and Luigi, or their names. <laughs> and they had the personalities of Mario and Luigi, man. Mario spoke English, real friendly, you know, and Luigi is just Italian, skinny, stern, and come around, look at your fresco, blonde fresco paint, say, Chiroscoro, Chiroscoro, come on, you know. Mm. Um, but in any case, yeah, so I, I got to, that was, that was something, man. That was something special. And, um, yeah, and I came back and did my student teaching. And then <clears throat> when I graduated, this is, a, this is a funny story. When I graduated, I, uh, you know, I knew um, this was the first place I came to. So I came down here. I uh, went to the front desk. I said, you know, Doris was there. And I said, hey, is Dave around? Let me talk to Dave. Dave ran the ceramic studio at the time. And so she's like, all right, let me call. So she called. About, you know, a good three, four minutes passed, and I'm like, I'm sweating it, man. I was like, oh, shoot, they ain't coming out, man. You know, I guess I didn't do as good a job as I thought. <laughs> Dave comes out looking. He looks he looks at me, and he's like, you know, he kind of looks shocked and, and kind of weirded out, you know. And he said, did somebody call you? And I'm like, no. I'm like, oh, man, in my head, I'm thinking, this is, this is over. Mm. I was like, no, no, nobody called me. And I just, just graduated. I wanted to come down and I wanted to see what I could do, you know, if I could be a part of this thing. And he said, that's crazy because we were just talking about you this morning and there was a ceramics technician position opening up and wanted to know what you wow. were doing. Is that crazy? That's awesome. Yeah, man. Wow. That's crazy, wow. right? Got goosebumps. <laughs> and so uh, that's how you guys started paying me. 2006. <laughs> Got on the payroll. So, and it's, yeah, yeah. So, started so you started off as as the technician. Yep. And then, did you take over a studio? Yeah. So at that time, you know, there was a studio coordinator. There was a couple couple different personnel in the studio spaces, a little configured differently. And uh, there was a position, uh, you know, uh, a teaching artist position, right? So I was a technician. There's different technicians in the studios, and then there was TAs. And there were studio coordinators and a TA position opened up in the design art studio, painting, drawing, printmaking, you know, kind of where my voice was at that time. And I applied for that. And luckily I got in there and that's where I, I lived in that studio space for, man, I don't know, five, five or so odd years, you know, doing, mm -hmm. doing painting, drawing, printmaking and doing some other initiatives, doing um, some in-school work and doing heavy on the arts integration and, and in classroom, you know, PPS type of experiences as compared to MCG, you know, here. And I'd come back here and I'd, I'd teach in the studio too. Um, but yeah, I lived, cut my teeth in the design art studio. So that's where you were really being an educator mm -hmm. for the first, mm -hmm. for the first time. Yep. What was that? So that, that, probably in some ways felt like a culmination of your education, your background, your love of art, but also your sort of relationship to art education. What did it feel like to actually be doing the thing? Great. Uh, man, this, cause this, 
this organization, you know, MCG and Josh Green, the director at the time, support that you were were given, um, the creative energy and um, creative exploration, anything was possible. You know, getting back to what Marco said about being Disney World, but real, you know, there are certain parameters we had to live in, but this was unlike any other place for education. There wasn't the hoops that you would have to jump through in the traditional school district. Mm. They weren't here, man. It right. was like what Bill says, <laughs> man, just got to love somebody, mm. right? You got to yeah. treat them with dignity and respect. You know, that um, everything else we could do. You know, I could, my wildest dreams within reason, you know, whether taking them to, Baltimore, Maryland, for portfolio reviews to, you know, grabbing the van and taking kids to the museum, doing plein air painting outdoors, you know, anything I wanted to do in terms of artistic and creative expression, going to see professional studios, artists, engaging them in, in the, you know, in the class content or going to their, their spaces, going to colleges, universities, doing workshops, you know, we could do it. And then... You know, really having that time and commitment with the students, you know, those relationships, it's different. You know, it's a, it's a different space. It's it's our space, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's not us and them. It's a it's a it's a human space. It's a caring, nurturing space. And then, you know, the relationships and the being able to be a small part of the students and the classes' experiences. Jonathan, those were like, man, the those are so powerful. Mm. And it's a small, and these kids might not even remember, or they do, or they don't. When you and when you a, think of, do you think of a specific kid? Oh yeah, I can think of numerous kids, man. I can think of, you know, you know, Ben Powell's for sure comes off the top of my top of my list here. You know, and being able to have a student like that, uh, a human like that, man, right? An artist like that, creative person like that to engage with. Um, Andrew Sofietti too, and, 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 and which was his friend too, and, and who I got the student teach with, and when he went to you know in class at PPS. But these minds and being able to um, to have conversations and dialogue, like you know, adult conversations, dialogue, creative, professional conversations and dialogue, and having that helped him in um, impact in the direction of a class that I taught in team teaching. You know, mm -hmm. these things are. Mm -hmm. These things are really special and um you know you're co-learners in a lot of ways and that's powerful um you know and there's numerous kids justin sasser uh was another one i can remember when this this guy came in his first time quiet i mean you know still six foot four or whatever mm -hmm. everybody's tall to me man <laughs> <laughs> but this cat came in and sat down and i can still remember our enrollment quiet as a, as a church mouse and he was always quiet but you know and um you know being able to have that relationship with him and and being able to um, provide him a space that he could be creative and again have those experiences mm -hmm. like that we mentioned earlier mm -hmm. and i see what you did there you're pulling you're making these connections <laughs> here man you make me get my feels but you know i can i to be that person wanna you know just to be one right you know, just to be a small time, to be that, to, to have that impact in somebody's life, you know, in the classroom. And, 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 this, and this guy, man, you know, students, some come here for a lot of different reasons. And 
some come because it's the only safe place that they know. And um, to be able to, you know, continue that and, you know, put up a bass crate ball, but also to have, you know, those real life, you know, relationships yeah. with somebody outside of the arts is, is pretty cool. It's, it's pretty great, but. Well, I know, you know too, cause I just, I'm just thinking it's one of the things that I've always been struck by about MCG youth in general is it really does feel like it's, it's not a teacher student relationship in the, in the, in the way you think of most schooling. It really is a, a coaching relationship. Hmm. Right. And there's, there's kind of a shared investment in what's going on in that space rather than just sort of uh, dictating from on high, here's what you must do. And I have to imagine for the kids that that's a really unique experience hmm. in general to, to be taken seriously as an mm-hmm. individual with something to do, with something to contribute, something to say. That's not just um, a question of how quickly or effectively they can conform to a curriculum or, 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 or any kind of a sort of industrial model of pr- productivity, right? But they're engaged as an individual. And it sounds like that that's happening in the studio mm-hmm. as a consequence, though, also of your bringing your own experiences as an artist engaging with other art educators in that space. Yeah, it's, it's special. It's, it's unique. Um, you know, and I think that's why they invite <laughs> Harvard Business School wants to do, you know, studies on, on what happens mm. here. Um, but it's simple too, right? And I think the, um, I think the foundation of the heart of this is simple. And, um, you know, obviously it gets complex on what we, we offer the youth in terms of growth and development, um, that creative youth development that happens here. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because we're, we're in this kind of interesting mm-hmm. moment in MCG Youth's story mm-hmm. because we are just kind of coming through a, a sort of strategic plan development, kind of thinking through mm-hmm. what we're doing. And we really are talking a lot more now in terms of youth development through the arts mm-hmm. as opposed to um, art education just kind of generically. So what what is that? process how do you see that changing how you think about mcg youth and where it's going and what what it can offer to kids it's interesting i you know this story's old in a lot of ways and what we do here um you know give it a name right like so what buzzword is it going to be this year what mm-hmm. is it not going to be these things the development that happened with bill and frank you know, I think that those things are timeless. Those things go back or the development that I had growing up. I mean, these human interactive experiences um, uh, through the arts, it happens organically, you know. Mm. And in the arts, and, and I'm sure there's, you know, education experts that will could pick apart exactly what's happening here and, and, and give it a name, right, and give it that experience. Um but I think, I think what this doesn't, the creative youth development that we're doing here now, you know, this allows us to refine and try to identify those components that we see happening organically and make sure that we are allowing those to happen 
for every one of our students that come through the doors. Mm. No matter where you are, who you are, where you come from, we'll meet you where you are. And we want to see that growth, right? And, and, you know, we could talk about, you know, anecdotally what happens here. And students can talk about it for generations. And they do. You run into somebody in the street that went to MCGA, changed my life. This was such a great opportunity for me or my child. Mm -hmm. You know, what are those things? How can we, how can we define what success looks like? And how can we um, make sure the best that we can that it happens? You know, what are those things that we want to see happen with their youth that come through the program? How can we allow somebody to have that success story, that transformational experience story, and prepare them for success as they, you know, get in the post-secondary, whatever that is for them. Mm. And so this, um, you know, the creative youth developmental is, it allows, you know, a lot of those things that we were doing, we're going to continue to do, you know, empowering the youth, being able to give them the, ex the opportunity to express themselves, to grow. I mean, it's all those things that happen, like I said, organically, that belief in themselves, you know, the technical craftsmanship experience that they're going to have that understand that, you know, it, to be able to communicate to be able to be proficient, these are the things that I need to do to be successful. And that happens not only artistically, you know, we talk and even get it more specifically about it, you know, that growth artistically, that growth personally, that growth being able to um, be, you know, in the engagement in civic and what they're doing in the community. And, and then all those things that allow them to become future ready, to prepare them to have that future um, that, you know, gives them not only the hope, the belief, um, the opportunity, but those skills that allow them to be successful. What are those? You know, what are those connections? What are those places we can put our students in so that they can see it, feel it, experience it? Um, and so on the behind the curtain, you know, these things are, are distinct. You know, these things are going to they're measurable. These things are able to be uh, communicated. Um, but the experiences that the youth have hopefully will become even more robust. Mm. Um, but sometimes they, they, they might not see it, right. understand it, but right. they'll feel it. Right. And then in retrospect, they'll see it. Right. right? Which is the sign that it's working. Hmm. Right. Because I think if we impose too rigid a structure yeah, what on does it the become, kid, right? right, then it's like, mm -hmm. this is just school. Yeah, and that's important, you know, and those things, you know, what you mentioned, you know, I hear that when we talk to the kids about uh, when we do different reflective, mm. we gather data, information. Data sounds so cold, but right. <laughs> in a rich, warm sense, <laughs> when we capture this data, when we capture the information from the youth, um, they say those things, um, and that's important. Mm. Mm. So now you became the executive director, what year was that? Was that 2019? Yeah. Is that right? Yep. So talk about a, a little bit about that, because I think there's a different experience as somebody. Yeah, nobody told me what, going in that off. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's different, but it's different, right? I mean, I, I would imagine, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like it would be different running a classroom mm -hmm. or a studio, I should say, where you're, teaching the class, teaching the skills, mm -hmm. and then moving to this completely different vantage point. Yeah. And what is that, what is that, that transition been like for you? 
Just don't look over the bridge. You'll get dizzy. <laughs> it can be disorientating. No, I think, uh, yeah, it's a different elevation. Hmm. So there's a different impact that you that I have now. I think a lot of those same principles as it pertains to running, whether like, you know, running this a studio, mm-hmm. running a classroom, running an organization, each one of those has different elevations. But there's a lot of similarities, I think, in a lot of those. And so um, <clears throat> things that I've learned along the way at a higher level now, they're similar, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, there's those connections. Obviously, there are things that I'm learning or I did, you know, never knew how to. Um, and that's why, you know, the village is, is right for, takes a village to, to learn, you know, there's opportunities and there's different uh, finesse to each position and each role that I've had. And this one is no different. Um, but I think a lot of there's still a lot of similarities from running a classroom uh, that there is running, you know, an organization, mm-hmm. being a head of the organization. But there's a lot, you know, it's uh, it's humbling for sure. To well, be I able have to, to say, though. As an, you know, <laughs> as your peer, I think, I think, I think one of the things that makes you effective as a leader is there's not this detachment from student to helper, to instructor, to director for you. I think that you've managed to stay connected to each of those incrementally different experiences of not just of mcg but of being a person Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes when people get into leadership roles if that's the goal for them they can kind of maybe lose a little bit of the nuance of what it what it was like to be you know at at every stage up until that point but i don't think that that's happened to you and i think you you've maintained um yeah that's a balancing act for sure right i mean that's something that i'm learning and growing and i think each role that anybody takes they learn and grow and Mm -hmm. what the what the job entails. Kevin Costner, I just started watching Yellowstone. Kevin Costner said, hey man, you're you're working it, but you're not running it. Mm. And so that, I think I was, you know, there's still as being an artist, being able to, you know, be able to take this external information and be able to respond to it or apply mm. it or internalize it. But I think there is something in terms of running an organization, something different than working and working it, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that I'm growing and learning yeah. and expanding upon is, um, you're you're in charge of running it now and it's very serious and right. this is people's livelihoods careers um blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. this whole thing that we sit in was from an experience that one human being had another human being that transformed their lives but in order to get here that other human being blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. those relationships that that life right. that they poured into yeah. this organization do you feel that legacy the doors pretty heavily sure. all the time for sure. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I do. Maybe too much. No. <laughs> I mean, no, it, it's, it's, it is, it's very important, you know, um, that, you know, and this is something I learned, you know, we talked about earlier in the conversation about people in my life, um, that made a positive, it was part of growing up, you know, and they, you know, you hold the door for the next person that comes mm-hmm. through and mm-hmm. you make sure it doesn't close, you know, and, and you try to do your very best, um, 
to make sure that you hold the door and so that these kids, the youth, the adults, this place has an impact in the community. Mm-hmm. And I have a small role in that. And like a, a small part, man, this is like page one of chapter 12, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, so it's it's small. But it, yeah, like you said, it's humbling, man. There's a lot of people that, that put their lives into creating this organization. And it's an honor to be a part of that, to continue mm-hmm. that. And it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you re- when you reflect back, I'm wondering if there's like a, a an anecdotal personal story of an of a, of you and a student in any of these different roles that you've been in mm-hmm. that kind of encapsulates why you stayed so long. I mean, honestly, like, you, know, you think back to 2004. That's a long time to stay affiliated with one organization. You come and come and gone in different capacities, but. I'm wondering, is there is there a student and a story that, that kind of comes to mind? I think all of them. You know, there's there's been some, there's been some people along the way that may have, I've had more contact and more, you know, opportunities for relationships and growth. But I think, you know, everything from, it's, it's the, the culmination, you know, each part of this in, and uh, each part of my story, each part of the people that have touched mm. story, you know, that have been able to impact and then being a part of this story as a, as the, an organization, as an organization. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think those things, you know, all those little pieces, um, you know, keep, keep me going, all those little experiences, all the shared experiences, right? I think maybe that's the word, is, and, and that's kind of the heart of it, these shared life experiences that you've had. Again, blood, sweat, and tears to something that you believe in. Um, I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of anything else, mm. you know, besides learning how to sail, you know, get on a boat. <laughs> but you know I I, just being able to you know I have that's why my office looks the way it does and my office is a is a nest man it's a it's a I have artwork from myself my life experiences I have artwork from the people that have come before me's experiences Um, I've got artwork and expression from students I've got handwritten notes from students, from colleagues, you know, all those things, mm-hmm. right? All those things are sacred. Um, I think about a project that Sonia Clark did with us um, when when I first came here, the Beaded Prayer Project, you know, and creating that object, that, that sacred object, you know, and that's, that's kind of how I feel about my, my office, my space, you know, it's a, it's something there that reminds me. You talk, mm. uh, was there one story? Mm. You know, there's many. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You know, there was many people that, you know, carry those memories. Mm. Well, thanks for everything you do. Jonathan, this is, uh, thank you for this podcast, well, everybody. Hopefully, you know, you can auto-tunes me to sound, get my jazzy voice on. 
a cool cat voice, but well, if you wanted anybody listening to know kind of one thing about MCG Youth and Arts, either as a parent or a prospective student, what would you want to say to them? Man, it's that. It's a space that's built for you. You know, it's that. I think about, you know, those words, belief, transformation, opportunity, awareness. It's like if you were, <laughs> if you needed glasses your whole life, man, and somebody gave you glasses mm-hmm. or you're watching it, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. it was in focus then, or the, the black and white television, and you, somebody flipped on that color, you're like, whoa, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Marco summed it up pretty well, man. It's like Disney World, but it's real. Mm. I think that. It's a place that it's transformative and it's a good place. In Earnest is a production of the Manchester Bidwell Corporation. If you found this conversation moving or inspiring, we'd appreciate your support. Your contribution will go directly to continuing this life-changing work. For more information and to donate, visit manchesterbidwell.org. Thank you.